You're listening to the Ascension Roundtable Podcast, Episode 37, an interview with Project YM. Today we sit down with Tony Vicinda and Michael Marchand, co-founders of Project YM, to pick their brains about youth ministry. We discuss the value of a holistic approach to youth ministry that is fully integrated with the rest of parish life, creative ways to support parents, and tough conversations that are sometimes worth having. Welcome to the podcast. Today we're met with the co-founders of Project YM, Tony Vicinda and Michael Marchand. Welcome, guys. Hey, how's it going? It's going well, thanks. Real well. Um, before we introduce you, you to our listeners, I'd like to um, just make sure I remind those guys, those guys being you guys being our listeners, that... What am I reminding them of again? <laughs> oh, yeah. I want to remind you guys that all of our... Uh, channels are now our podcasts ascension presents all that information is all located under the channels link on the main ascensionpress.com webpage so you no longer have to go to a separate page you can just go to ascensionpress.com click on channels and you can find the podcast so there you go you're welcome all right so tony and michael uh both these guys are founders of co-founders of project ym and the infamous Catholic Bomb Company, which is a Catholic beer bomb that our our own Colin McIver um, uses and and promotes. I don't know if he gets kickbacks for that or what, but he uh, <laughs> he gives you guys props quite a bit. I gotta say, good. <laughs> so Tony lives in a parish. He doesn't live in the parish. He lives in north of <laughs> it Seattle, feels Washington. Like it sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And he works in a parish that he doesn't live in, north of Seattle, Washington, with his wife, Trisha, and four kids. Uh, Michael lives in Chattanooga, and uh, he's a Catholic evangelist and author, uh, speaker. He's done 11 years of youth ministry before Project YM, and uh, he consults with parishes and, and diocesan leaders on technology and, and social media. And he's also founded two uh, Project YM missions, one in Uganda and one in Tennessee. He's also married with Chris Crystal and three children. <laughs> so how are you guys doing? I'm doing great. It's a, a beautiful rainy day here in Tennessee. Is that right? That's that's really funny because it is bright and super sunshiny outside in Seattle, Washington today. It's the one day of the year. <laughs> it keeps you guys uh, see- from leaving. Yeah, we actually get just decent rainfall all the time, and we're overcast from November through February without fail. But the rest of the year, it's actually – this is a secret that most Seattleites don't want you to know. It's gorgeous (laughs) here in the late spring through early fall. So they're just keeping us all away is what it is. Yeah. They just don't want us coming into the state because I've been there a few times, and it was in the uh, winter months, and it was not rainy but like drizzly, just like kind of overcast and drizzly and just – yeah, it was just awful. All the time. Huh. How about that? Did not know that. All right. So I'm really curious. How did you guys uh, meet and what, what prompted the, the beginnings of Project YM? Um, so like so, great oh. romances. Um, we, we met online. <laughs> 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 many, 
many years ago. <laughs> it's true. So it's funny. We um, we were both sort of doing our own ministry online and doing different things. And um, they were running a, a online conference at the time that I really wanted to be a part of. And so really, I just emailed them and said, hey, I want to be a part of this. And they actually rejected me the first time. <laughs> That's not true. It was a, hey, we'd love to have you at a future conference guy we've never heard of but who actually turned in a video which is something most people are incapable of doing and so we did put him on our list but uh then we had we had a last minute cancellation for that one in the end anyway so michael ended up making it on that and our website at that point like a lot of catholic websites was uh gross (laughs) and uh and minimally functional and so michael um having just a really great eye for design and a great uh, ability to do web development. Offered just to redo the website. Did a did a basically a wireframe. Like here's what I would make it look like. It was beautiful, and I didn't know if it would work or not, but it was going to be a step up either way. And so that just got him involved with and working was, on that conference with us. And it was totally selfish because they wanted me to promote to my followers and friends and stuff that I was going to be on this conference, and I was not going to promote a conference that had a atrocious website so if i was going to promote it i felt like i needed to give it a facelift yeah so anyways um that just got michael in working on that project with us we ended up working on more and more and more projects we actually didn't even meet i think for maybe the first two years of our friendship we had never been in the same room with each other michael at that point was working with e-catholic or Flocknote. e-catholic and uh we all were at the same conference together for the first time down in, in Orlando for the National Conference on Catholic Youth Ministry. We did a couple projects together on site while we were there, just had a really good time and just continued to invite Michael to do more with us and eventually had him step into uh the leadership team as we created Project YM as this new idea in ministry. Uh and then really ended up moving everything we do into Project YM uh as a part of how we kind of explore the way that we can equip and support Catholic youth ministers, let them know they're loved and that the ministry that they're doing is worthwhile. Gotcha. So real quick, since we're on the topic, what tell our listeners what that is real quick, Project YM, if they've never heard of it and why it would benefit them. Yeah, so Project YM originally was created to be a collaborative platform for Catholic youth ministers, just really a place where they could share ideas and resources and other things like that. Um, because we ended up moving more and more stuff into it to just really try to create a really solid experience for the youth workers we cared about. It's really evolved into this place where youth ministers can be ministered to, where they can be equipped with tools, resources, other things that they need. And sometimes that's online content, like our our online conferences. They, those have tr- grown and morphed, but we still do regular online conferences and content. We do webinars, other stuff like that. We've got a probably the largest youth minister focused blog um, out there. We have a lot of different bloggers from all over the country who contribute different blog content on Catholic, the practice of Catholic youth ministry. Uh, And then we also do in-person stuff. So on-site programs, speaking, training, equipping your local teams. Uh, We work directly with teens sometimes at rallies, conferences, other things like that as well, but always with an eye towards how are we actually equipping our primary ministry audience, which is the youth workers and volunteer teams themselves, because we know that Michael and I are going to go home at the end of the day, uh, you know, or we may never come out to your community because of your budget, but we really want you to be fed and you to be taken care of and you to be equipped to do worthwhile work. Right, man. So good and so needed out there. Um, also, we have on the microphone today, um, our producer, Marisa, who is not typically on the mic, but today she's back. So hello, Marisa. What's up? Alan did just... 
Alan just did something interesting there. I actually wasn't on the mic and I wasn't going to be on the mic, but then he just threw me on the mic. So <laughs> thank you, Alan. Well, it was right there hey, next hey, to you. Hey, 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 who's the producer here? <laughs> um, uh, hi. Hi, everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I, I'm 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 super excited to have these guys on. Um, I've been a fan of Project YM um, for a while, and and following you guys, and um, you guys are just cranking out you crank out so much content, and um, and it's really good stuff. So, um, so we're we when we were talking about you know who do we who do we have on? We want to talk about some stuff with with youth ministry, and uh, you guys were kind of the obvious go tos. Mm -hmm. So. Um, yeah, so thanks for being on the show and um, and talking with us today. We're we're talking about youth, how youth ministry goes beyond youth group. Sometimes I think we limit what our understanding to of youth ministry um, to you know just just that youth group or that youth one one youth night that we have uh, during the week. And so um, we are excited to hear your guys uh, your guys thoughts on broadening, helping people broaden their vision and their understanding of youth ministry. Yeah, so today's youth ministry focused, but I think it's going to be helpful for anybody working in the parish in ministry. So, um, yeah, we all have a, a heart for ministry um, to teens, all of us here working in the podcast. And so we're excited to, um, to do anything we can to help those guys out there in the field that are um, in the trenches, so to speak, working in youth ministry. So I remember before I went into youth ministry thinking, um, what does this guy do? I was working as I was volunteering on a core team, and uh, I was like, Chris because that was the guy's name i was like chris what do you what do you, that's how i normally refer to him so chris what do you do all day you know like i just i saw him there at mass and then in youth group and then you know occasion during the week or whatever and i was like what do you like what do you do and it's so he said what do you think i do and i was like i don't think you do anything <laughs> you just like hang out with teens right like play ultimate frisbee and then you show up at life night and same thing i do as a core member and he was like Oh, son, you're so mis misguided. <laughs> Look, someone has to figure out how many pepperonis we're getting, how many combo pizzas, and how many cheese pizzas. The answer for cheese pizzas is one, just for that weird kid in the corner. But it's hard work. It's hard work. This thing, doesn't it happen on its own like people think it does? Absolutely. <laughs> no, it does It does not. There's a lot more that goes into youth ministry than just what people see. Any kind of direct ministry, you always have that iceberg effect where what people are seeing is the result of a mm -hmm. whole lot of buried work underneath that and uh, has such a such a much more that goes into it than people realize so, so yeah, i can't i can't tell you how many times i was asked oh so what do you do for a job <laughs> i'm a youth minister no 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 what but full-time what do you do for a job I, this this is this is what i do guys this this is full-time <laughs> well if you consider 70 hours a week full-time then yes it's full-time yes. yes indeed <laughs> So, so since we have people on the on the line right now who are working in ministry, and we have actually a lot of volunteers as well, um, this is your chance. So, what are some things you want to tell, um, or what are some things you wish people working in the church would recognize about youth ministry? Um, other than what we just talked about, I think there are there are two main things for me. One really is that youth ministry doesn't happen or shouldn't happen in a silo. Lots of times it does. Lots of times youth ministry is a ministry kind of off to the side in the parish that we've separated from everything else. So we want to look at the youth minister or the youth ministry team as being successful or failing based sheerly on the work that they're doing rather than realizing that our parish community is deeply interconnected and that adult discipleship, children's ministry, 
uh, mass on Sunday, especially all these things impact what we're able to achieve in discipling young people. And so you can't look at any one ministry as being successful as part of the body. We we're all hurting. If some of us are hurting and we're all being glorified um, and God's being glorified, if we are seeing fruit in any area of ministry. And I think youth ministers tend to feel very isolated uh, most of them are not blessed to have multi-person teams that they work on because their their parishes can't support. If they can support a full-time person, they certainly can't support more than one. And um, and they need other staff members to to be on a team with, to rally around, to gather with. The other thing I would say that's more youth-oriented for me is that youth youth leaders. Right now, I'm working with the uh, Archdiocese of Detroit on their new Unleash the Gospel document, which is phenomenal it's this this amazing exploration they've done of the new evangelization in their local context um there's been this huge process they've gone through and i'm getting to go in and break it open with their high school leaders um their their adult high school leaders their youth ministers dre's faith formation coordinators in a couple weeks one of the major points that it's very clear on is that young people are not the church of the future um they're the church of today and really ideally especially in my parish context we are always seeking to say not only how do we include young people in this how are we actually allowing young people to lead right now how are we letting them live out their gospel calling right now how are we empowering their gifts right now because the reality is young people aren't interested in a faith that they can have 10 or 20 years from now if it doesn't matter right now they're going to go find something else so it's not just about saying hey, you're a part of this, but recognizing they have leadership gifts and skills that can actually move other people further along in discipleship in their parish if we're willing to equip and empower them to do that. And I think that's a huge shift that a lot of people need to go through. Hmm. I think one of the big things we see is a lot of parishes and a lot of even youth ministry programs but are stuck in a model of ministry that they've simply just been repeating over and over again for years. And statistic after statistic has come out that shows that the model of ministry where you just cram information into the brains of young people and then, you know, force them into a course to prepare them for confirmation and then send them off doesn't work. Hmm. And yet over and over again, we talk to parishes where that's the model, whether that's because the pastor is pushing that model or whether that's because they're not willing to go out and try new things, they continue to repeat a model of ministry that we know statistically and anecdotally doesn't work. And so it's really us trying to help youth ministers realize that you can not only try new things, but to really give them a glimpse into ministry models that are really working in different contexts and help them apply those models and those ministries into what they're doing. So there seems to be um, two schools of thought out there generally. I'm, this is very general, I understand, but there's like this, the big group model of like a life teen style where you invite people to come on Wednesday night, Sunday night or whatever, and you have a format you follow and you you kind of follow that and anybody's invited to come. Or like a small group model where you, you have uh, just a handful of teens and you meet on a regular basis with just that group of teens and a small group environment and go over a certain theme or a, or a, a topic for a, um, for a few weeks. And, um, it seems like there's like a, it's, it's one or the other that people need to kind of choose. Um, but I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on that. I think the way that I've seen ministry most effective is that sort of hybrid, right? That you have a, a large, more open gathered event that serves as an entry point, right? It creates a place where young people can bring their friends, where people can 
kind of check out ministry without any sort of commitment and maybe even without any sort of like overly churchy message, right? That essentially becomes a, a way for young people to feel like they belong into a community, that we prioritize this, this sense of belonging and welcome over can we really catechize them? And that the goal is in participating in that, that large gathered event, whether that's one time, two times, 10 times, that the goal is to, to essentially funnel them into a small group uh, model because all people and young people especially are really craving adults who want to actually invest real time, real love and real energy into their life. And in a large group format, that's just not possible. Like just from a logistics standpoint, it's not possible. Mm-hmm. But when you can get an adult um, working hands on with four or five, six young people and really investing in their lives and accompanying them and journeying with them, that's when discipleship happens. That's when people really have that opportunity to dive deeper into their faith. Yeah. I mean, I think if you look at basically um, what this guy named Jesus did, uh, he spent a lot of time in small group. Like he did. Like he spent a lot of time with 12 guys. Small group ministry as the primary is actually the way that Jesus modeled ministry. Now that said, he he did some big old sermons, um, one on a mount, one on a plane, uh, some other ones in temples. Like, I mean, he just, he did. There were these major teaching moments, but they really were designed to bring in the large crowd. And we also know that even as he brought other people in, typically within a couple chapters we see, and many people left him because they weren't <laughs> ready for this, right? right? So if we actually aren't ready with that small group model, it's it's hard. If it, We have to kind of have that be the underpinning way that we're doing ministry. And a lot of people really want the big, flashy, major program first, rather than getting the bones and the skeleton ready and having small group conversations in place. For me, even if it's in a gathered setting, I still think small groups are the primary way that we're seeing young people who are becoming disciples grow in their faith. I think part of the issue is the big gathered program is the easier program. It's much easier to to just stand up on stage and, and run a program and run something that is big and gathered. It's much more difficult to run effective small groups because to run an effective small group program you as the youth minister have to be effectively training your small group leaders. And most youth ministers have a really hard time shifting between the role of, I want all the teenagers to know and love me, and the role of being a minister to your leaders and actually leading those who are leading young people. It's a hard shift for a lot of youth ministers to make, but it it multiplies the effect. It multiplies the reach that you have if you can effectively equip and train adults to be working with young people. Yeah, totally. I, I always think I think every every youth minister should have two small groups. They should have a their small group of leaders who they're forming, right? Their ministry team who are the primary people they're discipling. But they also should be engaged in a small group either of their own that's that's intergenerational, right? Has young people in it, or they should still be in charge of a young, small group of young people so they still have that direct ministry contact. People got into youth ministry or get into youth ministry because they want to engage young people typically. And so it's very hard when they find themselves challenged to step out into an administrative role. And it's also not as life-giving. It also sometimes feels like you've lost credibility. So I think it's great when people are able to do both. Um, and so I would I would really challenge people out there to think about how you're engaging both of those groups. We just we just put out a survey to a lot of our, our listeners, or to all of our listeners, and quite a few responded back. And of our listeners, we found that quite a few of them are either volunteers or employed um, uh, people who work with teens. And one of the things that they, they've said is that they 
they're challenged by um, a lack of uh, cohesion in the vision that they have for the youth group and that the pastor or you know, the parish council or other people within the parish have for the youth group. So I guess, um, can you speak a little bit about some of those tensions that, that could arise and um, what you've seen as being maybe some, some pitfalls and maybe some, uh, some strategies for just having better collaboration, having a more unified approach and a unified vision that's holistic within the parish uh, rather than compartmentalizing the youth ministry within a silo, like you said, Tony. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really passionate about that. So I'm actually in a, what I would call a, a de-siloed parish. It's actually really hard for even some of our team members on staff to get their minds around what that means. Cause lots of people are used to, well, I control this area and you control that area and never do our two ministries overlap. So de-siloed meaning we're on a team, right? We have been formed as a team and we're going somewhere. And lots of times youth ministers are even capable of doing this with their own ministry teams, but it's hard. You can feel really overwhelmed by the concept of I'm a volunteer youth minister or I'm a youth minister who doesn't feel like I'm taken seriously uh, or I'm a DRE who doesn't feel like I'm taken seriously. or I'm a whoever who doesn't feel like I have control over what our total parish vision is. And it's hard to have an individual ministry vision when you don't have a total parish vision, but it's actually more important in that moment to have some clarity around what your mission and vision is. So for me, stepping out of silos, it very simply comes down to like understanding the question, why do we exist as a ministry, right? Being able to articulate, why do we have youth ministry at our parish clearly and consistently? And getting the answer to that question to live in the hearts and minds of myself, my volunteer teams, and the young people who come there, even if they would all articulate it a little bit differently, that they would give a pretty consistent uh, and then the other big thing is starting to communicate that to staff, right? Starting to think about how do we communicate to the rest of the staff that this is why youth ministry exists. I would really sit down with my pastor before doing that and just say, what is your vision? You know, anybody who else is my, who might be my supervisor, what is your vision? And just listening to them, taking that in so that as I'm going back and trying to share the discerned vision with them that maybe me and my team did together, that I was able to really work towards an understanding of here's what our pastor wants from youth ministry. And we can do that, but we may really want to extend beyond that, right? Um, lots of times I find that even youth ministers really struggle with a vision for youth ministry that is more than a convenient holding place for teenagers until we feel like they're actually ready to be a part of the church. Yeah. Um, and so, and there's a real consumeristic mindset and it actually kind of turns our young people more into commodities than it does into people, and it eliminates that relational aspect of how we engage in them. So uh, we actually just did a, a huge series with a guy named Chris Wesley, who runs Marathon Youth Ministry for our Thrive community, that's um, all on helping find your your core purpose, the values for your ministry, and really understanding what it is you're trying to achieve with your vision. Uh, it's, it's a great conversation, and uh, it's something that is I do in my parish, uh, we coach people through on a regular basis, and it's something that is so essential to actually being able to advocate for why youth ministry is important beyond, hey, well, otherwise the church won't exist in 20 years, you know, which is not a good answer for why youth ministry is important. Right. So what if you have a what if you have a pastor who doesn't seem to have a, a um, <laughs> I almost said doesn't have a clue, doesn't have a vision. He may not have a clue either, but what if you have a pastor who doesn't have a clear vision and is just overwhelmed himself and has hired a youth minister because all of the parents mm -hmm. in the in the parish are saying we've got to do something for our teens, and so he hires, you know, some either some kid or some part time mom or or um, 
maybe somebody dedicated and qualified to do it either way, but he, he hires somebody and the, that person comes to him and says, what is your vision for the parish? And the pastor's like, I'm just trying to get through every day. I'm just trying to say mass and some sacraments. So you just, you know, you tell me what the vision is. What would you recommend for that, that youth minister just to kind of run with it? Or, I mean, obviously they want to div- share that vision with the pastor and kind of give the pastor a vision if he doesn't have one, but what would you, how would you encourage that somebody in that situation? I think, unfortunately, it's a situation that more and more youth ministers face. I think that as we see parishes where there's more and more responsibilities falling on the shoulders of a single man, the pastor, Mm -hmm. um, that you often have pastors who are maybe great administrators but not great vision casters, or maybe they're great preachers but not great people to to capture a team and get buy into that vision. So I think you're going to see more and more youth ministers ending up in parishes where there's not a clear and defined vision. I think that the the easy route would be to just sort of throw up your hands and say, okay, well, the parish doesn't have a vision, then our ministry shouldn't have a vision either. But I think really the youth minister has the opportunity to go through a really defined process and create and nail down the vision for their ministry while keeping their pastor in the loop step by step so the pastor feels like he's involved in the process. And maybe it becomes a, a way for the pastor to see the value of that process, that if the, the youth ministry is able to define a concrete and passionate vision for their ministry, something that's actually engaging and empowering for ministry, that maybe the pastor will see the value in it. And so I, I think that it's it's a hard balance because it's not your job as a youth minister to dictate vision to the pastor. But it is your job to to build a ministry that is pushing forward a solid vision. And so I think that you still need to go through the process of defining that vision and try as hard as you can to incorporate your pastor along every step that you can you can pull him into. Yeah. I, I really love that because I think when you do vision well, right, when you cast vision well, when you identify the essential nature of why you're doing ministry in a community – um, there is an attractiveness to that that does make other ministries and other people say, I want that. I want that for our ministry. Why is our youth ministry so successful? Youth ministers who I know who are just phenomenal at doing this, they're getting asked to take on bigger and bigger roles at their parish. Their hours are going up. Their salary is going up, which are just, those are numbers. They're, 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 you know, tangibles. And I, I, that's not the most important thing, but it is a thing a lot of youth ministers ask about. But they're also being given bigger responsibility. They're overseeing younger age ranges because we want that same impact our youth ministry have. They're being given broader responsibilities in the life of the parish, and they're being given more input when they do this well. So there is an attraction to that on behalf of a lot of very overwhelmed pastors. Now, you have a pastor who's just not receptive to that. I'm going to say a hard thing that a lot of people have a really hard time with, but I do think it's a really important thing to include anytime you're having a conversation about this. If you're consistently trying to push a discerned vision, right, not just what I want, but what this community wants and needs and what we've come to know in prayer through the intercession of the Holy Spirit, if you're continually trying to work that direction and you're continually getting blocked by a pastor or a leadership team or other people, you need to really ask yourself the question, is this the parish I'm supposed to be ministering at? Is this how I'm supposed to be ministering? Because if I'm experiencing nothing but a lack of fruitfulness and I know that I can't grow in my ministry, God's calling me to be fruitful. God's calling me to ministry. I need to discern whether this is the place for it or not, which does mean at the end of the day that an individual might have to say, hey, 
this isn't the parish for me. I'm going to have to put in my my notice at the end of this year and move to a community where I can really do these things. Being able to lay that out clearly, not not in an attacking way, but just in a very clear, here's what I'm called to, here's where we're at, um, actually can send a very clear wake-up call to staff members and to, to pastoral leadership to say, wait, wait, okay, so I thought we could just get away with not doing this, but this is actually yeah, right. impacting people and we need to change something. Um, and you can't, you can't hold it ransom. You just got to put it out there right. if that's what you're called to. Uh, but it, it does send a strong message of, look, this is how ministry should be. Yeah. Uh, I always tell people that you probably are going to go through three to five youth ministry jobs before you figure out how to get comfortable with those conversations. But if you can do it in the first one or two, you're going to benefit yourself as a minister so much long-term. And I think that's true even if you're in a parish with a strong vision, that not all visions are compatible with one another. Mm-hmm. That I've left parishes because the pastor changed and a new pastor came in with a very, very different vision for the parish. And he's still a great priest and still leading the parish in a great direction, just a very different vision than I had for ministry. And I feel like my job as the youth minister is to uphold and push the vision of the pastor. And if the vision of the pastor is in conflict with the vision that I have for ministry, then I think it's you're doing a disservice not only to yourself, but to the ministry, because really all you're doing is stick around, sticking around to cash a paycheck. Right? And if that's if that's the reason you're there and you're not there to promote the vision, then I think you you're taking the easy way out. I like what, you know, Tony, I mean, both of you are dealing with this hard reality that I think is really uncomfortable for people because um, people who go into youth ministry, they don't go into youth ministry because they love, they, they're lovers of conflict or they, they just can't wait well, they to, to I don't know. I don't, have you ever played dodgeball with a bunch of youth ministry? Uh, <laughs> that is a really good point. They that don't is a love really conflict. good point. Um, but uh, you, Tony, you said discernment, um, discerning in prayer submitting to the holy spirit that this isn't about and you you said this it's not about your vision it's about a vision that you've discerned and and you know can't emphasize enough that your your vision has to stem from your prayer life that there can't Mm be um you know that we're human and so the ego is at play um and and we're also in ministry and so we know that um satan and and different forces are going to be trying to sow seeds of, of, um, of discord and, and these negative things, um, working against us. So it's a, I think it's a really touchy subject that a lot of people, it's just, it's so much more complicated than people maybe want to come to terms with, but it doesn't mean we can ignore it. Like you said, like you need to be really honest with yourself. If you've gone to prayer, again gone into prayer and come out of prayer again and again feeling like something is not right then it it's really important to make that um decision as to whether or not you're gonna have those confrontations or those difficult conversations i i want to i want to push back on just a word choice real quick because i and i understand why you said it and i don't i have total sympathy towards it but i actually don't think it's complicated i just think it's hard (laughs) yeah Point taken. <laughs> yeah. I think most people go into youth ministry for the big paycheck, really, at the end of the day, isn't it? That's, I mean, yeah. that's why I did it. 
You're going to turn yeah. it at 29. I'm still I'm still waiting for that big paycheck. <laughs> that's that's why I did it. It's really the fringe benefits. It's the uh, the leftover pizza, the <laughs> long vacations where I just get to go to retreat centers for a weekend. Um, you know, like all those things. The time away from are just gonna be really Yeah, I mean, really, get, yeah, getting a break from my wife and kids. That's oh man, if I could name some of the best parts about youth ministry, it's it's those. I mean, so even though the pay is substantial, it's really those fringe benefits that do it for me. That's awesome. Oh, that's hilarious. So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about what I've heard from a lot of youth ministers is one of the most in, most difficult things to deal with, and that is parents um, in the parish and parents of the teens. So you guys stay with us. We're going to take a quick break. When we come right back, we're going to talk about um, some obstacles, specifically um, parents and reaching out to parents. We'll be right back. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash ascensionpresents. That's youtube.com slash ascensionpresents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. All right, so we're talking to Tony Vicinda and Michael Marchand today with Project Youth ministry or project ym we're talking about of all things go figure youth ministry so talk to me guys about the importance of reaching out to parents in effective youth ministry (laughs) (laughs) so this this kind of goes back to some of those things we were talking about a lot of people get involved with youth ministry because they want to work with youth and so this idea of I'm going to have to interact with adults is really hard for youth ministers. Um, the youth minister in my parish, she's phenomenal, but she's even told me like adult conversations are overwhelming for her. Like it's, it's hard for her because she's so used to being around teenagers that the concept of shifting into adult mode is something that she's always really struggled with. Right. And so she's phenomenal at it. She's very gifted at it, but she's just very uncomfortable in those moments. I think a lot of youth ministers really feel that. I also know that a lot of times your interactions with parents are typically not like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so <laughs> glad we're going to be in partnership with each other. I, I, you know, here's how I'm discipling my young person. How can you come alongside me and assist that? What, what role can youth ministry play in that? It's typically like, Hey, um, you know, you want my kid to go on this event, but that's the same weekend as their sports ball game, <laughs> and they are not available that weekend. How dare you do this and put me in a situation of having to say no to them? Um, not that that's ever happened to me. Not that I've ever been accused of being like somebody who offers a child candy and then telling their parent or asking their parent if it's okay afterwards. Um, none of those things have ever happened to me. But um, <laughs> the reality is that's that's a lot of times our, our first impact with parents is actually confrontational. Sure. They don't want to have their kid do something. They're frustrated by the conflict. Or even if it's not directed at us, it could be directed at the church or even their own child, right? I'm upset with my kid and I need you to fix them. Um, and none of those things are places that it's easy for youth ministers to step into. For one... Lots of times it seems like an unrealistic expectation for us. Lots of times they're very emotionally fraught conversations, and it can be really hard. But the reality is the the statistics that we're seeing consistently, right, as we look at this uh, real challenge in the church right now of 85% of people leaving the faith between 18 and 23, which we know is skewed because they're really leaving before 18. We just can't actually get data before that, right? So a lot of them are leaving between 13 and 23. We just don't find out till they're 18. Um, a lot of that, the people who are staying, that other 15%, we know there's a couple factors at play there. 
Um, one is, and it's the last one, participation in, in the life of the community. Another one, which means youth ministry, mass, all those things, right? Another one is having five adults who help mentor them in their faith who are not mom and dad. That's a huge one that comes out of the sticky faith research. Uh, the uh, the two primary ones, though, are our mom and dad actively participating in their faith. Whether they're both Catholic or not is not the issue. But the reality is the primary person is actually dad a lot of the time, and dad is usually the most disconnected from both youth ministry and the life of the parish. We look at people whose moms participate regularly. It's about a 10% chance they're going to grow up to be Catholic. If dad participates only and not mom, it's actually about 50 both of them together about 60. The other stats take it up to about 85% of the 15% that remains. Man, that's bad math. The major people <laughs> who remain after those those things come into play, uh, the majority of those folks experienced all of those things. They experienced a mom and dad who were living as disciples and participating in the life of the parish. They experienced other adults who they knew cared about them, and they were regularly active in their communities. That's huge, mm -hmm. right? But we know that the primary thing that impacts that is mom and dad. So how do we engage mom and dad a little bit better. Michael, why don't you tell them how we're going to do that? I think a lot of it is communication. I think that the biggest complaint that I ever hear from parents about youth ministers is communication. And so I think that if you can address some of those surface issues right off the bat, you automatically got a, a better in with parents. And so not only is it just communicating logistics things, but it's really taking that next step and communicating with parents the type of things that you're covering with young people, the conversations you're having with young people. We used to, whenever we would go on a retreat, we would hand the parents an envelope when they checked their teen in that would have not just a, an outline of the weekend, but actually suggested questions they could ask their teenager mm -hmm. on the way home. Because what always happens is you pick up your teen from a retreat or a lock-in or an event and you get in the car and you ask, so how was it? And their response is fine or good. Like they don't actually share anything about what the experience was unless you had really good leading questions. And so if you were able to kind of pick apart some of that event with them and some of the program with them, even, even if nothing else, you have a great five minute conversation on your ride home from that event. That's a leaps and bounds mm -hmm. past what most parents are able to have conversations with their young people about. We actually, when we were creating resources for our, our Thrive community, we created this resource that we call the Big Conversation. And the idea is how do we take a important topic that young people need to, to talk through with adults and help those adults really pray through and discern through how to have that conversation? We intentionally created that resource so that it works not just with a youth minister, but with a parent. And so we have youth ministers who take that resource and send it home with their parents so that the parents feel like they're well-educated to have the conversation. I think a lot of times parents are afraid to have faith conversations with their children, with their teenagers, because they don't feel like they know enough. They're constantly concerned about what if they ask this question and I don't know the answer to it, or what if they point back at my life and point out that I'm not living that out either. And so to give them the opportunity to really think through, process through, reflect through the, the conversation they want to have, the topic they want to talk about ahead of time, is just setting them up for success. And anytime you can set up a parent for success for a win, then they're going to look favorably upon your ministry. Yeah, yeah. amen to yeah. that. Yeah, so I, uh, I, I, the big thing is, right, we as Catholics, as a culture, 
we've learned a lot about how to put out information. And because of that, a lot of times we've lost the ability to do theological reflection, right? We've really lost the ability for an individual to sit with something and have the discerned skills as a disciple to think about where have I experienced this in my own life? And a lot of times right now we're looking at parents who are young boomers, uh, older Xers, right? Uh, who, or even like I have a middle school kid myself and and I'm not an Xer, I'm a millennial, right? So that's terrifying. We have kids now. Uh, anyways, <laughs> the, um, the reality is they haven't necessarily been taught how to do any sort of theological reflection. Here's a scripture verse. Where have I experienced that in my own life? Here's the quote from a catechism. I don't even know how to use a catechism. It's just on the shelf next to the family Bible that we don't ever touch. Like, how do I talk about that in my own life? So actually framing those conversations in a way where it's very clear, like, here's what the church teaches. Here's why that's important. Where have you experienced that in your own life? And it's way different when you start in a conversation with a kid to say, you tell me this, because lots of times that puts them in the position of feeling like, oh, like, is this a test? What is mom and dad going to think? Or what's the adult who's talking to me about this going to think? Um, but really putting them in a position of being able to say, I want to be a witness to you, right? I want to be a witness first. Here's where I've experienced this in my own life. What does that look like for you? It's a very different conversation. I've been vulnerable. I've been real. I've engaged in some level of authenticity with you. Um, I've also not allowed your perceptions of me as your parent to overwhelm the reality of my life, right? Like this is what I'm actually experiencing. And then inviting your young person to engage with you in that. It's not just question answer. It's really about facilitating relationships. And and that's really what conversations should be about, right? Not grilling your kid about an experience, but entering into a relationship and a conversation with them on a different level. Hmm. I think um, helping parents understand that it's okay for them to be vulnerable in front yeah. of their child, in front of their teen. I think that that's a huge, um, I, I think that's a huge piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And empowering parents to say, I don't know, let's find out together, yeah. right? And yeah. and that's when you activate that network, right? It's not a, oh, I'm going to go ask somebody else before mom and dad. My mom and dad didn't know answers to lots of questions. Ask John Matasso, ask Father Bradley, ask this adult at the parish. You know, those were those were the common responses when they didn't know or when I just didn't want to hear what they had to say, which was also a reality sometimes. Uh, and so the ability to return to if we don't know, not you go find out. Let's go find out together. We have some amazing families that will pelt Father Brad, my pastor, or me after mass on Sunday with questions based on what their kids are talking about that week in youth ministry, uh, in faith formation at their Catholic schools, right? If there's a lack of clarity, they'll come to us as a family and say, hey, you know, this came up in their religion class this week. This came up at youth group. You know, can you tell us more about that? What do you think about that? Are there good resources? And they'll all learn about it together. And so you don't have to be the expert. And that's a great place to partner with parents. If you don't know it, like shoot me an email, come in and let's, let's talk about it. Like mm -hmm. we'd love to have you be a part of that conversation. It's also a great backdoor invite into, Hey, you know, we talk about that stuff on youth nights, even if you don't want to be a small group leader, uh, we'd love to have you come and be part of the support team for the night, help with snacks, help with whatever. And then you would get to hear that message. So if you get consistent parents who are asking you questions, those are actually people who are basically saying, I want to be more involved. I want to know more. And that's actually a phenomenal way and to create an invitation into direct ministry. Hmm, that's a great point. Instead of looking at them as, as, I don't have time for this right now, or just the person's annoying me or bothering me, like, this is somebody who wants to be involved. They just don't know it yet. So give, give yeah. them a chance to be involved. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Um, so you, you mentioned earlier how 
just overscheduled our teens are today and families are and and um, you kind of alluded to it with the whole oh, I've got soccer today and so I can't make it a youth group and you know, anything and everything is more important it seems like than youth ministry but um, talk about how effective youth ministry can kind of break through that if you will I mean part of it's just effective ministry period right, right. so the reality is for youth it's it's almost more essential. They don't have control over their own lives and schedules for the most part. I mean, they have input, but most of the time mom and dad are driving that, that mm-hmm. bus, right? The kids may or may not have a vehicle. They may or may not be able to gather on their own schedule. And so it's important to think a little bit more dynamically about what do we do in an already overcrowded thing. And a big, big thing for us, like again, my parish, we don't have a siloed approach, right? Um, we talked about equipping mom and dad. Those are, those are big things, right? Making sure everyone's being formed together as disciples and making sure that mom and dad are equipped really go a long way in addressing some of those issues. But also the expectation that we have lots of times for youth ministry is unrealistic. We want to offer one to two weekly meetings that young people can attend um, in any given age range, along with monthly events and at least annual, but oftentimes more retreats. And then all the other things that come in with it. That's a lot of time. And I know, look, guys, we're all bought in here, right? What we're doing is of an eternal significance in the life of a young person. But the reality is in overburdened schedules, when they look at the scope of your ministry, if it seems impossible to do all of it, they may not do any of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like lots of times we're trying to offer more options because we know that people can't do all of them. You've got to be hyper clear about what you're inviting people to and making the basic entry points into youth ministry accessible and flexible. I love what Michael does and what he talked about earlier and kind of creating some of those big events that are one-time thing. Maybe you're not coming every week. That's okay. We still want you here. We still want to form relationships. Those type of events in an overscheduled young person's life are very attractive because I'm not making a long-term commitment. The same thing with short studies. That's why we've seen a rise of things around that, right? Like, there's a reason that uh, that I'm gonna I'm gonna do some buzz marketing here of one of my favorite publication companies, T3 Timeline Encounter. There's a reason a lot of these resources are popular, and that's that they have a short scope. You're committing to to four to six weeks, right? And that's something that I, as a young person, can decide if I'm gonna do around my sports schedule. Those are huge things, and we need to be. Okay with that. At my parish, one of the things we started doing, we looked at our busiest times of year for both our ministers and our leaders, and we actually have intentionally deprogrammed those. And those are Advent. So during Advent, we totally shift gears. We don't offer weekly programming. We do a couple of event-based things that are really focused around the season of Advent, helping people dive deeper spiritually, because we know that attendance drops during those times because families are overwhelmed and not with bad things. With the one time of year they're spending time together, and I totally want to support and engage that, right? The other one is right after Easter. Spring breaks happen. It's hard to coordinate schedules. We just did the marathon of the playoffs of Catholicism that is Holy Week into (laughs) Easter, right? We're ready for a break. Our teams are ready for a break. And so we take another month off before coming back and closing the year out really solidly. And then summer programming looks very different. It's all event-based week to week. There's no expectation that people are showing up. That's across all ages. We're very intentional about saying, what are our family's needs? And that looks different for every community, right? The gospel is incarnated in the lives 
of your community. That's the reason that parishes exist is because we need a local body to help say, this is what ministry should look like for this geographic region. This is how people need to be ministered to. And so looking at how your young people are being ministered to is important. So when I when I'm doing planning nights at the beginning of the year or at a, at a parish when I'm first coming in, I'm sitting down with parents from every school all together. Like I make direct invitations to parents from every school that feeds into my community. I want them all to come in and I just want to know what nights are already busy. Like what nights are already like jammed? What do you know is a monthly event that happens every week, every month that you can't get around? What are weekly things, you know? And you'd be surprised the local schools have it figured out. They know when people are busy and when they're not, and they've taken a lot of the free time already because they're smart. Like, I mean, and we need to also emulate that, right? Like, we need to be shrewd in that way, sitting down and saying, okay, so what is the margin? And let's go there. Not because it's the most convenient for us, but because it's when we know people will gather. And then how are we creating flexible models that aren't built around a certain individual group's time? Small groups, again, are a great way to do that because they don't require everybody to gather all the time. I think that's one of the reasons we've seen a huge rise in small groups today, not just it's a really effective model, but because they're flexible around time. I do I do want to to backtrack for a second into into some of the things you said into about programming is I think a lot of it comes into that conversation we had earlier about vision and understanding what the vision of your ministry is and making sure the programming that you're doing actually has a purpose to to push that vision and it actually fits into that larger scale because what you need to be able to do is you need to be able to point people to one program. I don't care if your ministry offers 25 different things. When you're having a conversation with somebody, you need to know where they're at in their faith journey or in their their entrance into the community. And you need to be able to point them to one next step. Because like I said, when, when somebody comes in and you say, okay, well, we do this every week and we do this every month and six times a year we do this. And then we have mission trips in the summer. And da, 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 it's super overwhelming. But instead, if you can scale that back and say that, hey, look, you've been coming to our our gathered event or our, our big event. We would love for you to connect into a small group. Let's talk about how to make that possible and connect them into one group. When I was at a parish a few years back, we actually built a, a ministry around small groups. We took things from a, a gathered event that used to have about 100 young people every week at this gathered event and really shifted the model into small groups because we wanted them to prioritize that faith journey. We wanted them to prioritize that community and that relationship. And so everything we did was all about pushing people into small groups. And so there wasn't this crazy schedule of all these different things you had to do or all these boxes you had to check. It was just about small groups. All I wanted you to do was take that next step and join a small group. And in two years, we built a model that had 350 young people in small groups every week by choice. And the beauty was we could offer small groups seven days a week at all kinds of different time slots. I had a small group that met Tuesday mornings before school, which sounds miserable and awful to me, but that was the only time that fit into their schedule. And so we weren't making young people build their schedule around us. We were actually reaching out to the the, the spots, the holes, the availability in their schedule and doing ministry there. And that models adult discipleship. That's what we want for adult disciples. So why wouldn't we invite our young people to mm-hmm. that? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So what can you tell us about Thrive? Because I think it's gonna it would benefit a lot of our um, listeners. And I'm not trying to just plug your your stuff, but um, it's for real. So give us a quick um, rundown on what Thrive is and why it would be effective for our listeners. Sure. So we have the blessing of traveling around and talking to youth ministers 
all over the country, around the world. And for years, over and over again, the number one thing that we heard youth ministers say is they feel like they're doing ministry alone. They feel isolated that, like we talked about earlier, the people at the parish on staff don't really understand what youth ministry is. They don't really get um, that model. And maybe they're in a part of the country or, or in a parish where there's not a lot of other support. And so over and over again, they kept telling us that they, they lack that community. They lack that that sounding board, that accountability. And so we sought out to try to figure out how we solve that problem, how we create a community that is really intentional about supporting one another and about equipping each other. And so Thrive came out of that desire. And so Thrive is our online membership site for youth ministers. It's our online community that's really focused on equipping and connecting Catholic youth workers. And so you have access to not only youth ministers from around the world through our community forums, they actually have access to our, our whole team. And there's a little like chat bubble within there that actually goes directly to the cell phones of our team because we want youth ministers to know that we want to be there to support them. We want to help them through whatever it is, big, little, whether it's, hey, we're dealing with this huge issue because a young person um, committed suicide in our community. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. Or it's simple things like, hey, we have a youth night coming up and I don't have a game for tonight. Can you give me some ideas of what the game is? And that whole spectrum in between. We also do this thing every year that's totally free. It's called ThriveCon. And we basically, we get some of the biggest names, biggest leading voices in Catholic youth ministry and bring them on to do a, a day training, all online, all web-based, all free for youth ministers to really help equip them to take the next step in their ministry. So you guys, you can check out more information about Thrive and about the ministries we're doing at that link we talked about earlier at projectym.com slash ascension. We'll give you all the details on what's coming up. You'll even be able to sneak peek inside Thrive because right now Thrive registration is actually closed. But because you're listening to this podcast and we love people who listen to this podcast, we've got a secret <laughs> backdoor for you to join today. So check out projectym.com slash ascension. So there you have it. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for um, just for spending some time with us today and for talking about uh, what you do and, and um, giving us your insight and wisdom and um, and uh, making us laugh. It's been great. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much, guys. Literally our pleasure. <laughs> so for all the listeners, you guys come back next week. Stay tuned. Keep doing what you're doing. Know that we're praying for you and we will see you next time. Peace. <laughs>